Hey, you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. I'm excited. We just got back from California, as my wife said. I had the amazing adventure of climbing through a really small window. I'm not a small guy. Have you ever noticed? Like I've eaten Taco Bell one or two times. And, um, and I had to climb through a window, but it was all for you because we love you. And um, we had an amazing time in California. Thank you guys, all the leaders who, who, who made yesterday, last week happen. Thank you. We love you. Um, we're in a series called Holy Spirit. And we're trying to introduce you to this person who is the Holy Spirit. And trying to make you aware that the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It is, he is a who. Like he is alive and he is active in our lives. And he's maneuvering. And he's, when we say that God works all things together for those who love him, we believe it is the Holy Spirit that is the vehicle to make that happen. Does that make sense to you? And I want to make this as practical as possible because, like, people think of Holy Spirit like some kind of, like, ghost. Like, oh, Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, you know. And, and they have all these misconceptions when really this is a person, the Bible says he is an advocate. Like, when you get in trouble and you have to go to court, your lawyer is your, he's your advocate. He is there to defend you. To, to mediate for you. And this is what the Holy Spirit is doing for us. So if you find yourself in a place of brokenness today or of, of not understanding why things, you, you need to know the Holy Spirit is working on your behalf. This is good news. Like for a long time, we've come to church and we've been expected to be beat over the head. Like be better, be better, stop bad, you're bad. And, and what the Holy Spirit is doing is he's inviting us to a better way. Like he's helping us, I said, I said earlier, I really believe there's a reformation happening. Like God is reforming the way we do church. And, and so I need to tell you this, for a reformation to happen, we have to break the formation. Like for, for, for something different to be ushered into the church, it means we have to stop doing the things we have always done. Going through the routine of religion and expecting the same results, is that, that's called insanity. And so what we're exploring, and here's the truth, in exploration, we don't get everything right. Like, one of the things that has stifled us as a church is fear of failing. Feeling like, if I fail, everything will be taken away. And I just want to say to you today, in your life and in this church and in this body, God is bigger than your failure. Like, he is big enough to cover a multitude of sins and mistakes and, and, and frustrations. And so if you're here today, like, Listen, I don't know what has happened where we come to the church and we're just so distracted. We're just so distracted by so many things. Like, one of the speakers this weekend said this. He said, when I used to do meetings, people would, 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 they would do something and it would be a distraction. He's like, there would be some kind of distraction during the service. And everybody would look. He's like, well, we really don't need distractions today because we have this. And he pulled up his phone. And I was like, well, dang it. I wanted to throw my phone into the, I'm like, into the bleachers. But, but, but it's true, right? Like, we're so distracted. And, and the problem with this is, is we cannot serve two masters. I'm not saying your phone is your master. I'm just saying if it's, if it's derailing you from the attention of the Holy Spirit, this isn't a sermon about no phones. You catch this, right? What I'm trying to explain to you is that the Holy Spirit, he is active. And I feel like, if we were to lean in and realize he is speaking, we would live life in a different way. And I believe he's inviting us to look at God. How many of you know the way you see God will determine how you experience him? Yeah. And what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives 
is he is, he is breaking down ideologies. He is breaking down ideas. So like, I was a drug addict. I did not grow up in church. And I was very angry. And I had lots of reasons to justify my anger and my drug addict and my alcoholism and all of it. I had reasons and there were legitimate reasons. And so I would come to church and I was like, I would come to church and they would tell me like, well, well you're bad. And I'm like, well, I know I'm bad. Like, the reason I don't come here is because I'm bad. And so this is how we did church. Um, hey, come. And, and this is, this is the, the, rail, the, the trail to wholeness. I want you to accept that you are bad and believe that God is good and then confess that you are bad again. And, when, and so the whole goal of church was confession. Confess, you're bad. And so like we would, we would preach these sermons on repentance and things and say, you're bad. And then they would come up and say, I'm bad. And then everybody would leave and it would be the same next week. Week after week. Maybe if you cry a little more and you snot a little more and then like re real repentance will hit your heart. And then God will change you. And what we find in understanding that the Holy Spirit is revealing the Father to restore, the question we have to ask ourselves is what is being restored? Like what are we being restored to? Like if somebody buys an old car, they understand that the restoration process is to restore the car back to the original. Not to just create, but back to the original. And so like, as the Holy Spirit is leading us and restoring us and rebuilding, what is, he, what is he restoring us to? And I believe that question takes us all the way back to Genesis 3. To like the very beginning when God created you, me, man, and he looked at it and he said, it is good. It is good. And these people who lived in this garden named Eden, their only job, one job, don't eat the tree. Like, don't eat from the tree. I would say two jobs. Don't eat from the tree and experience his goodness. This was all the, be fruitful and multiply. If you're an adult, you know what that means and you know it's good. <laughs> oh, no, we don't talk about that in church. This is church. This is, that's terrible. No. Everything that existed within the garden was good. And you read the story in Genesis 3, and the serpent comes and he says, hey, did God really say... And this is the temptation we all face. That God would deposit, he would speak to you through a sermon, through the Bible, through a person, you name it. And the devil would immediately come and say, well, did God really say? And you begin to question his words. Begin to backpedal. And Adam and Eve, they find themselves in this place where now they have partaken of the very thing God said. It's the only thing you can't do. Why? The moment they partook of the fruit, they were now introduced to evil. Their lens changed. Before the fall, before the fruit, they did not know what evil was, nor could they see. It doesn't mean that evil couldn't exist, or it didn't exist. They were just oblivious to it. They did not have the lens to see through the serpent's eyes. They partake of the fruit, and the Bible says this, that all of a sudden they became aware of their nakedness. People walked around naked all day. All of a sudden, they are aware of their nakedness. They cover themselves with leaves. And in this moment, we are introduced to what we call shame. Now, 90% of the barrier that we have with introducing you to Jesus is you getting over your shame. Understanding that when, when you say yes to Jesus, he covers your sin, and you are now allowed. The Bible says you, are, you boldly enter into his throne room.
Like, let's, let's break that. That's not Christianese. That means you get to be in his presence. You belong in his presence because of what was done. We sang about it, the cross has a final word. That's what that means. It's not just a good melody. It means that what was done on Calvary by Jesus that day, it speaks over us a better word. We, we are now able to step into something that was not available. And so if what is being restored, what was stolen from us was living in God's goodness, I believe that God's plan for us today is that. For us to turn away from all of the distractions and all of the things that, that the enemy would throw or put in front of us and that we would become aware of him. That we would become aware of, of his presence around us. So like God comes into the garden and he's like, Adam, where are you? And like, how lost do you have to be for God to not know where you are? I believe that the, the real truth is God wanted Adam to realize where he was. Like, God asks him this question. I just hear heaven, like, the Holy Spirit, he asked Adam, who told you you were naked? He asks him that. And so, like, we would label ourselves, like, wait, it's no, I, I'm, a, I'm depressed. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I was there. No shame. I'm not, but I'm saying, I hear God saying, who told you you were that? Like, who told you you were that? And when we choose to live and when we, when we do church this way, we put people on a hamster wheel of religion. Try harder, try harder, try harder. When God is inviting us to walk with him, to be with him, and this is why we're called abide. Because if we were to learn to just be in his presence and, and stay connected to him, everything in our lives would flow from that. And Christianity would be so much easier. And so there's this promise in Jeremiah 31, can I read you this? Jeremiah 31, if you have your Bibles, you should go there because I, I believe it's super important for, for what God's doing today. Are you alive? Is this the 11 a.m. or am I back at 9? I love you, 9 a.m. I know you're here. Jeremiah 31, 31 says this. The day is coming, says the Lord, He's speaking about the new covenant, what we're living in today. Understand, there was an old covenant. Jesus died. We are in a new covenant. Like, we're in a new promise from God. That's what this means. There is a day coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. Simply means God's people. The covenant will be not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I loved them as a husband loves his wife. But this is the new covenant I will make with my people after those days. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone. My, what a promise. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me, says the Lord. And look at this last line. And I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never, like, look it up in the Greek, that word never is like never. I will never again remember their sins. Like, this is the promise that we are brought because we, we tend to categorize ourselves based off of the mistakes we have made. So, like, a lot of people, they wouldn't serve God. Like, I can't do that. I can't, I can't greet or I can't sing on worship. I'm not saying that holiness is a standard for this church. Say it with me. Holiness is a standard. I almost fell off the stage. That's how much I believe that. We believe that holiness is available. 
Holiness comes through repentance, and repentance is a gift. You cannot find repentance if you search for it with a GPS all day long. It is a gift that comes from God. The Bible says this, no man can come to God unless he is drawn. And so God is drawing us in, and his promise is, I will, I, the people on the earth, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We saw a, I believe, a piece of that in Acts 2. I believe what is coming, so like I read a lot about moves of God and revivals. I read books. I like to read books. Um, and I've read about a lot of things that have happened in history, but still something inside of me says something better is coming. Like, like there's going to be a greater move of God where your children, you will look at your children and be like, I wish I had that. I firmly believe that. Like, like God will be moving on the earth and stadiums will be filled with God people, Jesus people. It's going to happen. And we get to be a part of that. It's th that, that is a bigger dream as me. Like, you hear me talking about the men's home. It's a bigger dream. That people are coming out of prison systems, and they're lit on fire for God, and you're, you are going to say, oh, what's going on there? Because the more you are... I, I can't go down that road. I can't go down that road. I'm trying to paint a picture for you, because I know it's going to be hard, guys. It's, it's going to change. Things, things are changing. How many of you like change? Three, oh, wow, that's more than first service. You guys are amazing. All the originals are like, yeah. Change is hard. Like, you only like change when change is good. Like, we had a missionary. She's here. For, she went to Iraq. How many of you know when God called her from U.S. to Iraq, that wasn't like, that's scary. Change is uncomfortable. And what God is ushering in and what he's doing in the church is going to make you uncomfortable, particularly if you have been working to gain favor with God. Uh, I don't know if you... If you've been working for years to try to be right with God and you see a drug addict come in and in a week he's like, I, like my brother. Do you remember when I stood on this stage and cried and said pray for my brother and the next week he was on stage? This is a prophetic picture, not because he's my brother. This is a picture of what God is going to do. Where he wipes away the sins of people and he restores them back to Genesis 3. And he writes his law on their hearts. We're not abolishing the law. He's writing his instructions on our hearts. And he's making us whole as we follow him to believe him for more and for greater. And the Holy Spirit works within us to accomplish everything you ever wanted. So like if you are here and you're frustrated with life, I would say it's because you probably made life about you. And I, and, I, and I understand, and I know it's hard because I was there. I, I was a Christian for three years, and I was so frustrated. I found myself back in cycles that I had told God, I will never do that. I cried. I repented. I confessed. Here's the problem. I said I'm sorry, but I had no idea what I was sorry for. Like, what are you sorry for? Well, but, but bro, like, I said I would never, but I watched pornography again. That's what I hear. Well, what does that mean? What does that matter? Well, I'm sorry. For what? Well, I'm self-sabotaging because, you know, it's just what I do. But why? And if we were to get to the root issue, right? Like what's really, and everybody has excuses. My dad left me when I was seven. This is why I did drugs. This is why I'm angry. And the truth is we have all these justifications that what we're saying without knowing or realizing is the cross is just not enough. And what God is inviting us is he's inviting us. I'm not trying to guilt anyone. I'm trying to show you there is a more excellent way. 
There is a better way that says you belong, and you may make mistakes, but we're not afraid because fear's not, like, like mistakes are not fatal. Failing is not going to ruin your life, it's just going to teach you a lesson. And so we lean into hard. I have made so many mistakes since I've been here. Trying to figure this thing out and, and what this looks like. And if we, if we become fearful of what God has or if we become fearful of changing the way we do church, we may stifle what God is doing. You understand what I'm saying? Am I more excited than you? I don't know. <laughs> Jeremiah 31, I will write my law on their hearts. And so it's one thing to say church is changing, right? How many of you have been a part of that system? Come in, cry, be better, you're bad, now be good. How many of you have ever been to church like that? Okay, good, it's not just me. And how many of you were frustrated? Okay. What God is inviting us into, and the picture I want to paint in a few minutes, because I'm hungry, is this. In John 8, Jesus is there, and they are te he is teaching, and he is surrounded by people. Because when you love well, people are around you. They are all around Jesus. And they bring him a woman who is caught in the act of adultery, John 8. How many of you know when you get caught in the act of adultery, you probably do not have clothes on? Just trying to paint a picture. There is a woman, there's lots of people, she's on the ground, at best she has a sheet. She is now in a group of people and everybody's looking at her and pointing and they're saying to Jesus, what are you going to do about that? How does this woman feel? She's probably ashamed. She is, she, she is shamed. Because she is exposed in front of all of these people who are supposed to be the righteous ones. This is the church of that time. They look at Jesus and they say, what are you going to do about that? And I love that Jesus doesn't even respond to them. What is Jesus doing? He is showing them Jeremiah 31. What is to come? He begins to write in the sand, we don't know. But they continue, what are you going to do? Because here's the truth, the law at that time, the old covenant required, if you were caught in adultery, you were to be stoned and killed. So they were right. That's the crazy part. According to the book they had, they were right, except they were wrong. Now they're surrounded, Jesus is writing, they continue to bother him, and he says, okay, do what you gotta do, but let the first one of you without sin throw the stone. The first one of you who is holy, the only person who could have thrown the stone is saying to them, go ahead. And the Bible says this, from the oldest to the youngest, they let go of their stones, and they walked away. And so here's the woman. She's on the ground, and she's probably like, if I'm going to be stoned, somebody's going to throw rocks at me, I'm covering myself, and I'm afraid. I'm not like, oh, no, you know, it's not happening. She is afraid, she's crying, she is... There's a lot of emotion, and Jesus speaks to her, and he says, Woman, where are your accusers? Man, this is the day I dream for in the church. Like, we can't find any accusers because we just love that well. Like, we don't see, no, 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 we don't see you according to your dysfunction because we see what God has put inside of you. We're like, but, but I'm bad, I've just made a mistake. No, 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 like, like God, there is greatness inside of you. And you may not see it, but I'm going to love you back to that. This is a church that your children and your grandchildren, your children's children will come to. A church where immediately when they walk in, we see something inside of, wait, 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 no. You may be making mistakes, but you're amazing. And there's worship and there's preaching. Do you know last Sunday night there was a youth, Jalen spoke in this church. 
And so we're not going to punish people when they make mistakes. We're going to champion them. This is what Jesus did in John 8. He swooped down, he divided the line, and he said, woman, where are your accusers? And now she's waiting for the punishment. This is the church. Punish, punish them according to the full extent of the law. And she's waiting, and here comes the grand punishment. Jesus looks at the woman and he says this, go and sin no more. She's like, oh, crap. That was easy. But here's a, here's a bigger picture that's not said in Scripture, but it's implied. Jesus saw something in her that she could not see in herself. And when you get around those kind of people, the Jesus people, it calls you up. And something inside of you says, see, like, it, it's not that we don't believe in holiness. My approach to that is this. Hey, bro, you're better than that. Like, I don't know, I don't know why you're not acting according to your greatness, but man, there's so much inside of, there's so much inside of you. I don't know why you keep thinking of yourself in that way. What am I doing? I'm calling things that aren't as though they are. And I'm speaking life and destiny over people. In that kind of environment, the impossible becomes possible. Because people begin to step into things they had. Do you know how many of my leaders who came to this church said, I'm never doing ministry. I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just, I'm just here. Our youth pastors, I'm just here, brother. I'm just sabbatical. Now, I want one of my leaders to ask me, one of them, raise their hand if I said and recruited you. Because in an, in an environment where greatness is called out, people step up. I don't have to point out people's flaws. I am not the Holy Spirit. I don't get to convict. I create an environment where greatness is the standard, and when they fail, we pick them up. And we say, we will continue to, to love you and love you. And, and you're like, well, this is, this is not leadership. This is church. If church is family, when my family makes a mistake, my brother made lots of mistakes. I made lots of mistakes. How, how ignorant would it have been to say, I'm just done with you. You've made too many. You would never do that because it's family. We are the body. One body, one spirit, one God. And as we follow the Holy Spirit, and he's reforming who we are, he is creating an environment where we raise up generals. Not followers, leaders. People who change the world wherever they're at. I, I, I don't need any more pastors. I just need you to work at Walmart and love people well. And it doesn't have to be. I'm just saying, wherever you are, just love people. And encourage them. And be for them. And don't pass them by. Is that okay? This is, what, this is what is happening. This is what is happening. God is giving us the ability, and I'm just going to tell you, things like sickness, disease, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, it's going to die. Because it cannot live in that kind of environment. Do you hear me? It just can't. It can't live in that kind of environment. Your husbands, you know, I'll end with this. You don't have to tell me I know that I'm God's favorite. That's how I feel. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm at, and, and I feel, like, you should feel the same. Like, I'm at a conference, and there's thousands of people. And I was incredibly frustrated about the situation in my life where I found myself, in a, can I just be vulnerable? We're vulnerable. We're vulnerable people. I was in a place in my life where I really wanted 
like a spiritual fathers in my life. I talk to our leadership because we don't hide things around here. We just talk about them. I'm believing for fathers. And I'm like, I told John, a lot of our leaders, a lot of the men, Pastor Chucho, believing God is bringing fathers. And so I'm standing in this conference and worship is amazing. This is the first night, the first night of the conference. And I'm worshiping and it's like, it's unusual for me to worship somewhere and not have any responsibility. Like I always got to speak. It's just like I, being there and just being able to worship was just, it's amazing. And so I'm, I'm just worshiping. I'm not even like, I'm not asking God for anything. And Chris Valentin comes up and he begins to, to, to pray. And he said, this is what God is saying. He's restoring sons to the father and fathers to their sons. And I just started crying. Because I'm like, there's thousands of people in this room right now. But, but like, he's talking to me. I told my wife, I'm like, I don't care if anybody else received. That was, that was, that was for me. And this, like, this is the picture of the God we serve. Like, in, in, in a room of thousands of people, he's like, I, I hear you, Gio, and I, like, I want you to know it. And I wasn't even frustrated with God. I was just, you know, you know how in waiting it can be frustrating? And he speaks to that, and not only did he speak, and within a week, two, two men approached me about that. And this is the God, and this is how we need to see him. This is the Reformation. Amen? Let's stand. I want to pray over you. Like, I, I, be, I sincerely believe in this moment that God, that God can, can shift something inside of you. Like, I want to read to you Philippians 4 over you, and then I'm going to pray. Can I do that? This is how he tells us to live our lives. This is instruction that, as, as it says, it's written in your heart. Be cheerful with joyful celebration in every season of life. You just stop there, right? In every situation in life, just be cheerful. Like, be joyful. Because joy is a choice. Let joy overflow, for you are united with the anointed one. Let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is near. Do not be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer, meaning like be connected to him, aware of him. It's not like thou shalt, you know, like be connected to him. Saturated in prayer through every day, offering your faith-filled request to God. Letting him know what you need. Like he's not afraid of you. Your dysfunction does not, he's not afraid of it. Bring it to him. Let your request be made known. Understanding the answers known to you through Jesus Christ. So keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic, real, honorable, admirable, beautiful, respectful, pure, and holy. And fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him always. Man, if we could just catch that. And that's what I want to pray. Like, that that would be written on you. Like, hold on to these things. Authenticity, realness, holiness, purity. And like, fasten your thoughts to them. Like, well, I just have thoughts come into my brain. The Bible says this, to take captive every thought and make it, like, make it obedient to Christ. If that wasn't possible, it would be cruel for God to give you that kind of instruction without it being a possibility for you. So, so why don't you close your eyes, like, just like you're going to receive. Like, let's just make it easy. Father, right now, 
in the name of Jesus, we speak new eyes to see and new ears to hear. I pray over every single person in this room that may be struggling with different things, and I speak life over you. I speak life over your body. I speak life over your marriage. I speak life over, over your mind. And I pray, God, that as you do what you do, that you would restore us back. Father, we release anger, bitterness, resentment, fear, anxiety. We release it. Even if we don't feel it, we, we release it to you, God. And we say, have your way in our lives. God, help us to see ourselves the way you see us. We speak against self-sabotage and cycles. Walking and roaming around mountains, and I speak over you the ability to step into destiny. I speak over husbands right now in Jesus' name. Husbands and wives, I speak over them life. That they would see you and every imagination that has been created of who God is would be destroyed. And help us, God, to live with your goodness as the forefront of who you are. God, help us to repent, understanding why. Understanding why, God, lead us there. Holy Spirit, lead us and help us in every area of our lives. And I ask that you would keep us in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said amen. 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 Are you good? Good, good, good. Hey, this is... This is, not, this is not hard. Like, we can do this. It's, it's not hard. Like, we can, the Holy Spirit's making it easy for us to follow Jesus. And I understand things may be hard right now, but, but I'm going to say what I said in the beginning. A season is a season. And seasons end. It's a little chilly right now. I'm from Florida. A little cold. But it's going to be hot again soon. And you guys will be wishing it was cold. So, so just, just remember, season is a season and God is for you. Amen? Go give somebody a hug. Have an amazing week. See you next week.